Hey, Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we know that great leaders have great mentors. And today we are joined by a great leader, Ava Sadgadi, the co-founder and CEO of Simba, a comprehensive platform for organizations to onboard, manage, and engage early talent. This episode is arched by our Augmenters principle of consistency. You will learn how to connect better with others by remembering that you need to be willing to forgive and you will grow to your potential by understanding that a ship is a commitment. When you enter into a mentorship relationship, there is a commitment there. And if you consistently forgive and you consistently honor your commitments, you're going to achieve your goals fast. Here we go. Ava Sadagi, we are so excited to have you on Augmenters today. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for having me on board. Thank you. Well, I have to say, I met you at a conference and you are so incredible because I was actually pitching my services and you completely like came in and backed me up without any like, you know, benefit to you. You were like, actually, that woman really knows what she's talking about to the potential. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, who is this amazing woman who is like so supportive and enthusiastic about another entrepreneur that you like totally put your neck out to like talk about the work that I was doing. And that just made me feel amazing. So I wanted to thank you for that. It was clearly a spirit of we're all in this together. Absolutely. Well, I just absolutely loved what you're pitching. And I think as you know, a founder in this space, I always have my eyes and years open because you're always learning. And even when I know that the clients at the table, there's always room for partnership and growth. And so I've been through accelerator programs, but I loved that. And I just truly believed in what you were doing too. So it was very authentic. Well, it is super mutual because I really believe in what you're doing. And I'm so excited to have you on today to talk a little bit more about Simba and talk a little bit more about your background and the kind of work you're doing. And then really how, again, going back to collaboration, right? Like how, you know, you'll talk a little bit more about your platform, but how do new people entering the workforce have the support that they need. So before we get started, we'd just love to hear a little bit more about you. And we open up our podcasts by asking our guests that we know that a mentor is generally somebody who believes in you before you believe in yourself. And we would love to hear who that was for you and what they saw. That is such a beautiful way to define a mentor um, that I actually haven't thought of before because sometimes I feel like I was convincing a mentor to believe in me and really take the chance to invest in me. But that's really true because they're you know allocating their time and space. One of um, the many mentors that I've been very fortunate to work with, her name is Laudan Shojai, and she is an mm. Iranian woman who built a company with her husband from the ground up, fully bootstrapped in Arizona. And when I first started building Simba, my background's in economics and human rights. I didn't know a single thing. Everything I've learned, I've learned by breaking and you know making mistakes and then figuring out how to do it kind of the hard way. But she let me come into her office and become kind of an entrepreneur in residence and rotate mm. through the customer success team, the sales team. And she told her team, any question Ava has, give it to her. And, you know, wow. afterwards she told me, my team is learning by educating you. And so she saw the value in bringing me on board, but that changed the entire trajectory of my career. And it's really why I was able to create Simba because I had such an amazing mentor to learn from. Amazing. How did you find and meet uh, Loudon along the way? So it's kind of funny, but 
my mom had met her at an event at Arizona State University. And at the time I was living in in DC, yeah. My mom is like our honorary sales person and advocate, you know. It takes a family. It takes everybody has to be all in, right? You know, hundred percent. She went up to her and said, My daughter has this idea and she really could use some support. She doesn't know what she's doing. I think she probably was nicer than what I just said, but she got her contact info and I reached out to Ladan like right away and I followed up. And when I was there for Thanksgiving, I asked her formally to be a mentor and she said, I would be happy to be a mentor, but you have to come to Arizona. And I was living in DC and I was like, My freedom, my identity, moving in with my parents, you know, at 24, I was like, you know, it felt like a tragic, you know, decision or really a big payoff opportunity cost, but I did it. And she said, you know, she appreciated that I followed through because sometimes she gives her number out and especially to a mom, does the act, the actual kid, they follow through and actually reach out for that opportunity when it's offered. And look at what happened. Look at what happened here. Like that, that experience, that is such an amazing point is a, get your family to advocate for you. Cause I both have a mom who advocates for me and I'm a mom who advocates for others. And also that you followed through and actually took the time to come to Arizona, to spend time with her, to really absorb what she was teaching you, which gave you this opportunity to be able to grow from here. Was there any like key phrase she had or any like words of wisdom that stick with you when you're kind of like stuck in something that comes to mind from anything she taught you? Yes. Um, There are a lot of things, but the one thing that I really find profound is that everyone who comes into contact with Simba should be better off for it. So- Whether like, and I think about that, you know, as a new person joining and, you know, we're a startup, we don't have as many resources and, you know, all the resources that you might have in an organization where somebody might join and they might max out and they need the next opportunity, right? We don't like our growth trajectory can be so limited, but did they learn? Did they get new resources? Did they get skills? And how am I still connected with them long-term? And I think that's, you know, not only our team, but our customers, our mentors, and just, you know, really showing up with that type of mentality and everything we do. I love that. It's really simple, but it's a really good framework to continue to use when you're in a situation that you're like, not sure what to do. It's like, okay, am I making an impact on this person? All right, well, let's dig in. Tell us everything yes. about Simba that we need to know. I have a very important <laughs> initial question, and then maybe a more productive one afterwards. But my dad will say he plays the stand-up bass. And I always ask, can you tell me the difference between that and the cello, please? So uh, can you define those clearly for our audience? Well, they're fundamentally different instruments. They're both string instruments. The stand-up mm-hmm. bass is probably you know two, at least two to three X in size and you stand oh, up to play it. Yes. And the cello is much smaller. It is, you sit down, you play it. A lot of people think of Yo-Yo Ma when they think of the cello and the box suites. The cello is the closest sounding instrument to the human voice. So a lot of people are very inclined to enjoying the cello. And cello oftentimes has more melody opportunities than the bass in the orchestra. But they sit close together and they're both kind of in that bass lower tone area. (laughs) Thank you for providing the fodder that will... uh... I had the best conversation my dad and I will have all month. So I appreciate that. Of course. Uh, and, and and then uh, more related to Simba and a, a real professional passion of mine, which is apprentice programs and experiential learning. How do you define the differences between internships and apprenticeships? I think this will come into mentoring as we 
you know, circle back later on, but what, what's some of the, like the specific clear differences in how Simba views them or how you view them personally? Well, I'm so happy to hear about your interest. And I'm also really curious to learn about why you're so passionate about this space as well, because we, you know, we love this space so much. And sometimes we're often educating people on the why and the power behind it. So it really means a lot to hear you say that. And for, you know, I was gonna say for me, but really there's really legal reasons that they're very different. When we began with Simba, our whole vision was around remote internships. And if I just take a moment to quickly kind of share how we got into it, my background is in social impact and human rights. And after I finished my graduate studies, I was very fortunate to do a fellowship with late Congressman John Lewis in Atlanta. And that's where I began the idea behind Simba is he tasked every fellow to create a social impact project. How will you address civil and human rights in your respective countries? And I was representing the United States. I thought back to the six unpaid internships that I had to claw my way into getting and thought, if we're really preparing people for the workforce, how come it's so difficult to know what it's like to work? And you have to spend potentially a quarter million dollars before you get your first job. It's just baffling. It's wild. It's ridiculous, frankly. And so... That was the idea uh, that we kind of wanted to fix and solve for. And I thought back to my own experience. I was one of the first remote interns at State Department and wanted to build infrastructure around that. And so we designed that in 2017. It was really challenging. We were ahead of the game. And then in 2020, we were the only player in the space. And we, my co-founder and I weren't paying ourselves. We were in Techstars and we had 38 inbound demos in one day from the likes of like IBM and Chewy and uh, Robin, all these big companies. And we were like, we don't even know how to, you know, take all these things on. We were using a type form. Like we didn't even have like a demo form sign up thing that was official. And so, you know, that really taught us how exciting the space is, but also during the same time, many internships were canceled. About half of them were canceled. And we also did a bit more digging. We created a fund with pay our interns. About 40% of internships are still unpaid. So that's a fundamental difference between internships and apprenticeships. Internships do not legally... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You actually have a wage and a whole process around apprenticeships. And I like to think of apprenticeships of like actually training and learning on the job. You don't need to have prior experience um, to join and do an apprenticeship. Whereas internships are usually like, let's get your feet wet. You're already studying this. You're maybe in a degree or a boot camp. Uh, we want to give you some mentorship. And oftentimes internships are kind of more early in your career. That doesn't mean that's not the same thing for apprenticeships. Apprenticeships can be much later in your career. You We see the age group um, a little bit older for apprenticeships. And then for the business, there's also a lot of tax benefits and ramifications around the benefits of leveraging apprenticeships. So like there's a lot of funding for the IRA for energy and solar work that companies are trying to rally behind apprenticeships. So you're getting CFOs funding and doubling down on apprenticeships where internships sometimes feel like a CSR strategy that, you know, are, you know, when half of them are canceled, you're kind of like, uh oh, like what's going on here. So those are some of the little fundamental differences, but there are a lot more I can dig into. I mean, it, internships as a CSR strategy sounds like a pretty flimsy strategy, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> That, that's great. I, I didn't know the statistic about 40% of internships remain unpaid. I still remember a mentor of mine telling me, usually get what you pay for. You better pay your interns. 
like, oh, okay, got it. Uh, if you want to get something useful. What I am curious to hear is, you know, J John Lewis is famous for uh, making good trouble, as he said. And uh, it must have been wonderful to work with him, especially around, you know, a challenge on something like human rights and how you found your way then to internships and apprenticeships. What advice or like words continue to ring true from John Lewis in your ear. We talk about shadow mentors all the time, people that, you know, don't necessarily know they're standing like on your shoulder whispering in your ear. But I mean, John Lewis is such a legendary figure, you know, what still, you know, rings true to you that he told you? So many things. I think his whole mantra around good trouble is something that I've embraced because that's what startup founders do. That's what the both of you are doing, right? We embrace good trouble. It's what we're all about. And I feel like, you know, I kind of embrace that mentality of like, yes, we're stirring up trouble, but we're doing it for the greater good. And we have a purpose behind what we're doing. One thing that always stood out to me when I was around late Congressman John Lewis was he had great stories and he just felt like he was in government, but he didn't feel like he was a polarizing figure. He was somebody that could bring people together. And I feel like good leadership does that. It can transcend different realms of the world and bring people together. And then the second thing that always I think about is his ability to forgive. I think that's one thing he's really known for because he had, you know, some intense periods in his life where people did really bad things. And he had a, a story where he shared someone who had really hurt him, came into the office and apologized for the work that, you know, for the thing that said he had done. And he held a space for forgiveness. And I think that's an important thing when we think about moving forward and moving on and making progress, right? Reparations are so important when I think about human rights and being able to understand that this was wrong, but be able to move forward and have dialogue. And I really, really respect that from his leadership. And I think we need a lot more of that in today's world. Here, here to that. I'm going to bring this a little bit back to mentoring because I want to get into some of your mentor experiences at Techstars and otherwise. But we have questions from our audience all the time about how do I see the difference or how do I feel the difference or know when I am mentoring somebody I work with versus managing somebody I work with. And, you know, as John Lewis being a, an elected leader and also just a leader in general, given all of his you know, social justice work that he had done for decades. Did you ever get a feel from him when he was like managing versus mentoring? Well, so he was never managing me. Well. <laughs> I was definitely, you know, sort of felt because, you know, um, I would be very, you know, even fortunate to be having to report to him in that capacity. But I'd love to actually get maybe both of your perspectives when you mm -hmm. ask that question. That's a really profound and really, I think, kind of difficult to define the difference between the two. Could you just like elaborate how you both think about it? Oh, turning it back on us, Ava. I like this. This a conversation, yeah. right? You're going to make us work on this. Oh, yeah. No, it, uh, As if you're pushing us, that means things are going well. The reason we have or a reason we have this platform is to tease out these issues because there's no set definition for how a great leader is going to set the tone within an organization's culture for when managing and when mentoring are supposed to show up. And something that Julie and I run into all the time as we have these conversations is that there is no consistent theme about mentoring as a whole. And, that, and that's, that's okay when you're talking about really large groups like societies. When you're talking about specific organizations, having a consistent theme around mentoring, like, is it about objectives? Is it about human relationships? Are there certain reasons we match people up? Just some really basic frameworks I think is critical to help people know, when am I a manager? And when am I a mentor? And why does that difference matter? Yeah. And I would say too, you know, I think 
it's so much about questions, right? I think mentoring is so much about questions and helping and just really asking the right questions to help somebody see something that they hadn't yet seen, even kind of back to my original question. And I think as a manager, it's harder to ask those really tough questions and sit in that discomfort of getting to the answer. So I think to me, mentoring, yeah, mentoring is just all about asking great questions and active listening, right? And then eventually you might have some advice and you might have some connections and you might have some ways you can kind of support the other person, but it's really about getting them to see something first. Now, I think managing has evolved and I think you're uh, probably like much more of an expert of how this kind of work is showing up in a broader corporate environment probably than we are. But I think, I think it, to me, it's about the questions. And I, I just had a conversation today, Ava, where someone was telling me, oh, that sounds a lot like coaching. I'm like, because coaches aren't supposed to really have, and, and we mean like yeah, business right. coaching, not like how I can improve your jump shot in the basketball court coaching. But, uh, and, and I was like, well, there's some big differences between mentoring and coaching. They're like, oh, like what? I'm like, well, coaches get paid and you usually payments are tied to results. So there are always objectives in play. So I think there's almost like a more clear definition of where business coaching comes in. And at least at Augmenters, sorry, Julie, what do you got? No, no, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say the other thing. Sorry. He knows what I get like all excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, um, yeah I think so. Right. Because you're probably not going to have like five coaches unless you're like, really, I guess there's some like, you know, tech CEOs that have, you know, five coaches, but um, you can definitely have five mentors. You can have 10 mentors. Like you can mentor five people. You can mentor 10 people. I think you can just have a much broader perspective and get a different, um, which to me, it feels like if you have, if you've hired a business coach, like you're listening to what that person says, obviously, unless you're a very wealthy CEO who has, you know, multiple, but then you have or to kind of like here and there. What's that? Yeah. Or you're firing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, I do think that, you know, cause that question to me really made me kind of think a lot. Like I have a, a, a coach that I work really closely with, but then I have a lot of mentors and I think that, you know, it's kind of clear, like the stakes are different, right? I'm like counting on somebody, but I'm also, you know, able to be like fully transparent around the good, the bad, and the very ugly and get critical key guidance and go into this mode of like, you know, very critical conversations and discussions. I feel like a manager, like the word of just like kind of managing somebody doesn't feel good to me because my team feels like I, I the way I work with my coaches, how do I empower my team? Right. Cause a good manager should not be like managing, right. It should be making sure that your team feels empowered to deliver. And I think for me, my mentors have been kind of like, they are looking out for me in my career, not like thinking about what are the business objectives of the team and that deliverable. And my managers might not always have the time and bandwidth to roadmap my whole career with me, but whereas my mentor would, and my mentor cares about my mental health mm. and my family health and like, how am I doing? Like all those tidbits, whereas like a manager might not have bandwidth if they are trying to do all those things, but a manager shouldn't just purely be managing. They should also be empowering, asking questions and they should hopefully care, right? Because we don't want to work for people who just want us to be little cogs and robots in the machine. We want to feel like we're part of something bigger. And so mentorship, there should be some essence of mentorship or guidance or like, you know, bigger picture support for that manager and employee relationship. Wait, what you said kind of was cracked me up because I was like, you know, at the end of the day, if someone's like, oh, how's your day go? And you say, oh, we managed. Like, that's not, that's not a good day, right? You barely made it through. You survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, this is my 
survivor I talked to. This is my like, like this is my manager. Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like, yeah, you're right. There's none of this kind of inspiration that comes from that term normally. And I guess augmenters may be at its essence. If I can fully bullshit this definition, it would be, you know, at its essence, like we want to provide a little inspiration to mentoring. You know, we like, like we, we want to bring it back to humans caring about other humans, creating these pockets of community through mentoring. And, and it's so important right now. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just going to say like, what, there was a question that was asked yesterday in the Forbes HR channel about why is it important that we come back to the office beyond socializing and team collaboration? I was like, Gen Z needs mentorship. Like we need yeah. in person and it's so hard to do this over Zoom. And it's just, you know, I know I have scheduled mentorship calls and I have, but you know, your Zoom fatigue, you're back to back and it's allocated time. And then you're trying to hit pause from like the day to day. I think that's one really powerful thing that we need to really think about is our next generation and how much they need mentorship. Oh my God. Alva, you literally read my mind because <laughs> I was just about to say you work exclusively with young professionals in their early career coming into the workplace for the first time. Tell us about that group, which I assume you basically fall into, yeah. although give, yourself. Give, give us the whole group, Ava. No. You know, like, just, give, just bring the whole group in. Yeah, the come whole on. Group. And what, like, what, especially around, yeah, I mean, coming back to the office, mentoring, like, what else? What are you really seeing, like, big trends that, and that, that your clients are bringing you all in to support them on? Yes. So we're seeing a lot of major shifts. And I think that's because a lot of things have shifted over the past few years, right? If we think about back in 2020 and March, we all thought, okay, we're going home for a week and we'll be back. This generation left school, maybe their high school graduations, their proms, they didn't go back to school for a year and a half, two years. They had to find connectivity through different social media and different ways that people were never forced to do before. And so this generation, I think, needs an opportunity to really tap into some of these um, relationship building and be cultivated in a way that was kind of taken from them in a lot of ways. And one thing I like to always do when I share what we do at Simba is ask people to take a moment to think about your first ever experience in the workplace, your first ever new job, internship, Ooh. whatever it was, how were you feeling? Did you have a billion oh questions? Gosh. Like, did you even know what day one would look like? Like, do you remember those butterflies of like, you know, rereading that email 200 times to ask for a question and being like, I should know the answer to this, but did they tell me this? Did I forget this? Do I know it? You know, this is a really important stage where we need to build belonging and psychological safety is critical and important. And we know with mental health and all the challenges that we're facing in today's world, this is really, really key and critical. So that's one conversation that we're having is like, how do we have elements of this provided? And we have designed a new pre-boarding experience, right? Mm -hmm. Why does it start from day one? So we're able to collaborate with new hires. As soon as they accept their offer, they get welcomed into a community. We build a personalized experience to welcome them, give them a buddy, a friend to go and navigate through it. And then also an internal Reddit board, we can ask each other questions, right? Like it's not that you always need to go to your manager for help. You have a peer, you have a community, a lot of people around for you. So I think that's really key and important. The second thing I think is this generation really cares about transparency and yeah. they're very bold and very loud about it. So they're asking employers questions about their um, metrics on diversity, equity, inclusion, about their ESG strategy, how they're being fiscally responsible. So I think that there's a lot more heat and pressure 
on employers. And this generation is also um, this notion of reneging. They'll accept an offer and they'll accept multiple offers other places, and then they'll make a decision at the last minute. So employers are, you know, there's not the sense of loyalty we used to see. Gen Z can change your job up to 10 times by the age of 35. So yeah, things are changing. (laughs) I don't know if I'm Gen Z, but I definitely call an Uber and a Lyft at the same time and see who gets there first. So uh. Exactly, right? We're in a place where we have so many choices now, so many opportunities at our fingertip. Gone are the days where that social contract is like, you are loyal constantly. We've seen so many strikes. You know, the narrative's flipped. I wanted to ask Julie what her first job was. How did you feel on day one, Julie? Oh my gosh. Okay. So my first job was at Leo Burnett, which is a big advertising agency in Chicago. And I had an internship in the research department and it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And I thought, and I think it was true that I had to wear pantyhose. I'm quite old. So I had to go to like the drugstore and buy pantyhose. And as you met me, I'm not like a small person. So I was like, how do I find pantyhose that fit me? And they very uncomfortable. So I spent my first like stretch of time. It was hot in Chicago. I was very uncomfortable. And I quickly learned I do not ever want to work in an advertising agency. But I'm glad I had that time or else I wouldn't. And it was a big corporate, you know, all this stuff. So what about you, Jimmy? Did you wear pantyhose? I had a different thing I had to wear. I was umpiring girls softball and I had to wear a chest protector. And I actually got great advice from this job. Not a whole lot of emails, even though I was managing other umps. And I remember thinking, because uh, Ava, you're cracking me up when you said like, first job, how do you respond to emails or do things? And I'm like, well, how do you know if it's a ball or a strike? You know, they're small people. And because it's, 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 it's girls softball, it wasn't women's softball. You know, it's like, you can't tell anything, whatever. And someone just, like, it took me a game or two. And someone was like, you just got to say it and stand by it. And, and it's almost like, well, how do you, how are you going to, you don't know everything. Well, what are you going to do? Like, well, just, just write it back and be like, Hey, d- d- do you have a reason for why you did what you did? And it was kind of simple, but a very different issue. And let me tell you, I don't wear chest protectors anymore either. <laughs> Except when he forgets to press record and then. <laughs> um, <laughs> Abba, what about you? What was your first? Uh, so my one of my first opportunities was the remote internship at State Department in D.C. Oh. And funny, I mean, I, I share this story, especially when I'm speaking to like young young students and entering their work, the workplace because there's so much, you know, pressure, right? You know, you're finishing high school. Everyone's like, where are you going to go to school? You're finishing college. Everyone's like, where are you going to get a first job? Right? And this market right now is really brutal. My first job, I actually didn't get it. I got the rejection and it was on my birthday. I was like really sad. I was a sophomore and I, you know, was like, well, I'm going to let them know I'm going to apply next year and get asked for feedback. And then they emailed me back saying they made a spot in the internship for me, which was awesome. So it was great. I had a lot of anxiety because I, you know, it was all fully remote. So I was like trying to make sure I was showing up and I didn't really know what it meant to work remotely in 2013 um, and show up, you know, via email, but it was a really, really profound experience. Well, I'm like, all I want to do is ask you what your day was like, March 23rd, 2020. Like, I want to know what that felt like when 32 companies were like, hey, Mm -hmm. we want your platform. And you're like, oh my God, like literally, I don't even like... (laughs) That must have been really overwhelming. I mean, it was so overwhelming, but we didn't even have time to think about how overwhelming it was, right? We were like, let's go. Let's get to work. Because, you know, before then we were pre-revenue. We were fighting, clawing, like being like, just give this a shot. Like, and then you would do a free unpaid pilot and, you know, people, you know, are busy. If you haven't paid for things, you don't have necessarily commitment. So this was like go time. And all of a sudden we had 10 customers in like a month. 
and these are enterprise level customers. We were like, one of our customers emailed us like, um, where's your help center? And we're like, um, oh, we got to build a help center. Like we didn't even, the radiator. yeah. And there was no chat GBT to help us build that out. You know, we were like designing it as we were building products and launching and we had only Figma at the time. So my co-founder basically didn't sleep for a month to actually build the product. There, everybody's like the pandemic. You're like, I don't, what, I don't even know about it. Like what? Like I'm, no, I'm obviously not leaving my house. So like, <laughs> I, to go. I guess that probably like made it easier. Wow. That's wild. I would love to like transition a little bit because I love your podcast, open up the workforce, talking about DE&I and talking to diverse, to talking to DE&I leaders across the board. We uh, would love to talk a little bit more about that specifically. And as the workforce demographics are changing, there's like very much an old guard. There's very much, you know, like you said, Gen Z coming up who is diverse. They're outspoken. They are demanding things. And, you know, folks who are older are like, wait, I didn't ask. You know, back in the day, we didn't do blah, blah, blah. How do you think potentially even mentoring programs could support opening up the workforce and creating more dialogue and collaboration between, you know, sort of the old guard and new employees? So many ways. I think that what you're doing is so exciting and really profound. And I'm so excited. I just, you know, yeah. <laughs> see, see, like, you know, the, we what, feel the same yeah. about you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> and this goes back to, you know, our first instance meeting together, really. I, I truly believe in what you're doing. I think that what's important is this mindset shift of thinking that we always learn from people who have more wisdom or who have more experience. And starting Sim at the age of 24, I feel like people had always asked me about, oh, what was it challenge creating, you know, a woman? you know, tech company and enterprise tech, you know, we raise venture capital less than 2% go to, to women and, mm-hmm. you know, fraction of percent women of colors. You know, the biggest challenge is being so young, people taking me seriously and believing that I am a co-founder. At one time I was at a meeting where I waited like almost 45 minutes and I came up, I was like, are they ready yet? And they said, we're waiting on the CEO. And I was like, oh, oh shit. I'm the CEO, you know, just kind of, um, I think that's a really big challenge. So one thing that mentorship programs can do is create a space where there can be this two-way dialogue. And that's why we're Simba. We're symbiotic relationships. Love that's it. a you know, shameless plug, but it's really Wait, all about on. this two-way. Is this not about the Lion King? Am I aging myself? Yeah, it's not a lot. I mean, you are not aging yourself at all. Well, at least not okay. with me, but um, yeah, this is definitely about symbiotic relationships. Right? We don't have enough to pay like attorneys king for holds that. Up the new king, so like we're supporting from, you know, okay, never mind. We love the I, connotation of it, but you know, we're SY MBA because it's symbiotic. Yeah. And we don't have, you know, the kind of attorneys it. who can go yeah. for that copyright that, you know, we'll be in trouble. Not yet. Not that. yet. That, you could if you wanted to. You, brilliant name. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. But that's what I really believe is so important is that kind of space where we can share that two-way knowledge. How can the old guard learn from the tech-savvy, forward-thinking individuals? How can they learn new things about how to be inclusive, how to show up, you know, pay transparency? Like, how do they know that that's important? So I think it's really creating space for that two-way exchange. So how do you think, because what we see is that there is this sort of old guard who is afraid frankly, I believe, of what is, you know, what is changing, what is coming. How do you help them see the benefit of them mentoring and really learning from this, you know, from Gen Z? So it's 
change is so hard. As somebody who loves mm -hmm. behavioral economics and even IO and how we think about change, I mean, it is so hard. Even convincing somebody who believes and they need they need something to actually make change is very, very challenging, right? I think the incentives have to align. But one thing I think can be really powerful is storytelling and giving examples and making them believe because it's an art and a science mm. here. And I think one thing that we have to really encourage them to do is potentially, I would say, tap into like the essence of giving back and then yeah. it like enabling them and them being kind of aha in those moments of surprise of like, you know, oh, wow, I'm learning so much. But I don't think, at least from my experience, that I would probably go in immediately saying that this is good for you. I would really make them feel good about the impact they're having and then hopefully, you know, let them come to their own realization that this is making a positive impact for them. You're not going to change people. They need to find it on their own. I, I love it. So when I think about change management as just like an overall consulting term, which means absolutely nothing, but when I think about folks actually you know trying to pro progress, I usually think about culture. And I like to say that language shapes culture. And two things we're, we're both excited about are mentoring and apprentice programs. Notice how I just said that. Neither of them had the ship, not like a championship, but you know, mentorship and apprenticeship is how often these have been described in the previous decades. And I've noticed you've switched a little bit back and forth, Ava, in some of the things you've said, where sometimes it's mentorship, sometimes it's mentoring. Same thing with apprenticeship or, or apprentice programs. How do you feel about having the ship at the end of the word? How does the <laughs> suffix of ship affect kind of, I, I think there's some hierarchy built into that and definitely power dynamics. What are you hearing from a lot of your users about some of these, like some of this, some of these different languages, and maybe these words don't matter to them, but like, are there words that do matter then? I love that you bring that up because to be honest, I haven't spent enough time thinking about the ship part of it. And I studied Latin and I like love Ooh. words and I just yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I do think words are very, very important, but I think that they have to be coupled with action and so much more, right? I think words are critical, mm. but I think it's, you know, it's a lot more than just words. And for me, the ship basically makes it a program, an institutionalized, structured thing that maybe is has investment and buy-in. The word like mentoring is like an active word that I think could be maybe thrown around and might be a little bit more like less formalized. And so a mentorship is like, this is an exchange. This is like a, almost like a contract. And I did ask Laudan, like, will you be my mentor? Like I formally asked rather than making it ambiguous and relying. And I do have mentors that are kind of my mentors, but like I haven't asked them or it's not like a formal They And they like, they say in, you know, email intros, I'm mentoring this startup, but in reality, I think a, a ship behind it is a commitment to this being a process. And there's sometimes a timeline, sometimes an exchange and a commitment to seeing this through. That's kind of what we see with our, our customers. I am going to quote you, Ava, both literally and mentally. A ship is a commitment. I love that. You just made my weekend. I'm be thinking about that the rest of the weekend. That is so good because it also plays into like championships. Like you only get a championship if you're committed. You don't like fall into a championship. So if you're in a, if, if this is going to be mentorship and we're going to do this, this social contract, you know, there's a commitment. That's beautiful. What do you think, Julie? I love it. I love it because we've always been back and forth with it. We thought mentorship sounded, you know, when we think mentoring in general, it's just a pretty lame word. So we've tried a lot of different, I mean, that's- We're just dedicating our careers to it, but yeah, it's a lame word. <laughs> 
that's how we came up with augmenters, right? Is like augmenting mentoring and creating something a bit new. But I think that is really, really helpful. Ava, my last question for you, and I know Jimmy has a quick rapid fire, is are you seeing that the actual concept of wanting mentoring within an organization, is that coming up on your company side, like your client side, as well as with your you know, sort of Gen Z new new folks coming into the workplace? Is that coming up? All the time, I think. So when we launched Simba, we actually launched Simba just initially for like new interns and apprentices and new hires joining. And then like an admin who can like kind of manage and set up the instance. And then two weeks in our first launch, the team said the manager's want to get on it. And then a few weeks later, they said the mentors want to get on it. So now we have a, for every new hire, there's a man mentor, a manager, and even a peer buddy they can have. So we've actually formalized a actual user persona and feature and built um, structure around that. We hear that almost all of our customers, I think actually every single one of our customers has a mentorship program and is committed to it. I do think that making sure they see the ROI the bottom line and it's institutionalized or structure, there's investment, there's commitment behind it is another thing that we have to always work through. But I do, we do hear it with every single one of our customers. I think that's always the biggest challenge, consistency and what is everybody getting out of it? Exactly. I love the idea that a peer buddy can join Simba. I got to give a shout out to Jim Dukar, my OG peer buddy at, at work. That's so much fun that, that people can like actually, you know, call that out. That's such a great way to like make sure that it's a fun process and that tech is actually like enabling better lives, not just, you know, more workflows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ava, this has been awesome. I have just a couple very quick questions. Uh, this is my verbal Rorschach test. So whatever comes to mind, just say it. I'm going to say a couple words. You tell me what comes to mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're easy. They're easy. When I say mentor, what do you think? Commitment. The ship. When I say mentee. Newbie. How about sponsor? Champion. And if I say coach? Strategy. Love it. Do you have anything physical? This is not this is not anything that's a rapid fire, but do you have a, a physical talisman or memento that you bring sometimes to meetings to kind of like unlock the room and make people more comfortable to share? We sometimes call it like the book in book club. No one talks about the book, but it lets people drink wine and shoot the breeze. I don't actually. I feel like I really go into that space and I try to build something that's kind of unique to their experience and try to learn what they do. But we do have our blue teal suits that are Simba-fied and we wear those and whenever we're at places, people recognize them. But that's kind of like- I don't like, if I remember you wearing that. Were you wearing it at the conference? I think I was, yeah, I was wearing yeah. it at the conference. I don't think yeah. I knew to look for it. I don't yeah. think I knew to look for it. That's awesome. That's so, Jimmy, we need that. We need, yeah. we need- But yeah. I love T-phone the idea. Clean. That you love the idea cool. of us in seafoam greens. Oh, no, no, I love. <laughs> no, I love the idea of having like a moment, like something that I could bring to like a meeting to open up. I think there's a lot I can learn from your team and how you've been working with organizations to open up and create that space. Because as a startup, it is really hard to get people to open up and be willing to innovate together, especially if we're going to like these like really older companies that are being open to trying out something very new. I think that might actually be really profound. So I, I love that idea. Amazing. Honestly, Ava, this is such a pleasure. Your energy is incredible. I am so happy that I got a chance to meet you. And I'm so happy that we had a chance to have this time together. And I am very excited about seeing where all of our journeys take us. Likewise. And so excited for you all. I think there's some exciting collaborations coming up very soon. So appreciate Ooh, the opportunity. Watch this yes. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. Uh, this was a blast. Thank you so Thank much. You. 
Okay, Jimmy, when I first met Ava, I was totally blown away by her professionalism, mm. by her God, like her confidence. Seafoam jacket. jacket. I mean, just like everything. And like I said, when I first met her, she jumped in and helped me pitch something she did not have to do. She just like felt passionately about what I was talking about and decided to jump in to, to help me. I was trying to sell somebody on services and she's just incredible. And her and I really hit it off. I now so appreciate her Mm -hmm. incredible resilience and her consistency and showing up to grow this business, like even thinking of the business based on her own experience and her needs, hearing about it growing in the middle of a pandemic when like, oh my God, the doors closed, her phone started ringing. She probably didn't leave her house like in any circumstance for, you know, God only knows how many months and grew this incredible business and is so like kind, generous, and just a real inspiration. I'm so glad we I got to know her better. So I am, I know I'm fangirling hard, but it's just where I'm at. Amen. Hey, and it's inspiring us to talk about deep, deep purple matching outfits. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Ava, shout out all around. I, I, I mean, I mean, what I will say is, it really came through her consistency of caring for others. I mean, her business is literally about how she has been passionately trying to help young people enter the workforce for a long time, and she was like, "There is not." a product, a service, a system in the market now to help people, I'm going to do it. And honestly, when you hear people say like, oh my gosh, Gen Z is so lazy. They're so whatever. They just want things handed to them. Or, you know, I don't know if I was technically Gen Z or not, but I am like doubling down on the future because just like you said, she identified something. She jumped right in, made it happen and is helping so many people coming into the workplace. Um, It's obviously such a confusing time. We hear this a lot about the challenges of creating community and belonging within organizations because of the remote, because of the hybrid, because of the way a lot of people have come into this workforce. So having something like this platform and getting so many companies bought into it is really encouraging. And Ava having the foresight to be able to create it. And the skill to keep it, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ava is very much an inspiring figure. I hope, hopefully we get to run into her more soon. I think we'll just try to follow her and see where she is. I mean, we can, we'll be in our purple suits and she'll be in her teal suit. So she will identify us. She'll know it's us. I don't think we can hide. Anybody that can help you sell is definitely (laughs) uh, an impressive and towering, you know, figure in business. It's hard to out biz dev, you know, the biz dev pro. (laughs) I'm blushing, but you can't tell. (laughs) Uh, But but there's also like, just, it was a wonderful conversation. I mean, Ava is super sharp and talking about how she navigated all the different aspects of her business, how she gets through a whole lot of, you know, whether it's real or, you know, subliminal red tape, you know, to be a founder and to be raising money and hiring people and helping others hire people. I mean, she, there's a lot you can learn from what she told us. And I think it was really beautiful that she you know, continues to remember some of her earlier positions and experiences. So just being able to come back and think about her time with John Lewis, the late great congressman, and to think that even when you have these really short times with somebody, you could have a shadow mentoring relationship for a long, long time. And clearly John Lewis, even past his time on earth, continues to advise 
and mentor Ava as she grows her business. And let's be honest, who wouldn't want John Lewis helping you grow something? And who doesn't want to see somebody succeed who is trying to do good in the eyes of John Lewis? I did not realize John Lewis was part of her story. I was actually surprised when she said that. But clearly, it was a little bit of that moment where there's like little bit of magical fairy dust, I think, sprinkled uh, in Ava's path to get her started and going. So I cannot wait to see where she keeps going from here. And we will definitely be cheering along. And already I feel mentored by Ava. So I feel grateful for that. Amen to that. And, you know, fairy dust and good luck is created by hustle and Ava hustles. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great conversation. Augmenters out. Wow, you've made it this far and we thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out an earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya.